Dear God, thank you for gathering us here in your house here to uh, worship you, to honor your memory, to make sure that your resurrection is known to all people of all time and all places. Lord, we're so blessed and thankful that we have this place of worship to honor and glorify you. Lord, we're so thankful that we have a Savior that's living in the world today, blessing us, with us, and saving us. We ask that you bless this time of worship right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as you all know, today is the traditional Easter, and as you've heard for the past two weeks, you've heard the explanations from Nathan and Melvin about why traditional Easter isn't a big deal to this church over here, because the date changed all the time, you've heard it a million times already, so you don't need to say that again, but I will say this, we'll talk about it one more time, why? Because it's important, right? It's important what this season represents and what this day represents. I think that importance is lost on the world today because there is no Easter season, right? You compare it to Christmas, right? Right after Thanksgiving, it becomes Christmas season. Everywhere you go, it's unavoidable, right? You go to the shopping mall, you hear the Christmas music, you watch TV, you see the Christmas uh, movies and TV specials and all these things. People talk about it. There's a buzz about it, even among non-Christians, right? Among everyone, it's the holiday season, right? It's ingrained in our worldly culture that that month, right, from after Thanksgiving through December 25th, that's Christmas time. Yet for whatever reason, there is no Easter time. There's no time of year that we set aside and say, aha, this is a time we talk about the resurrection. For most places and most people, it's just a one-off thing on the calendar, that they note there, right? And there's not much you associated with it, right? I was just trying to think about this myself this week. And you guys can think about this in your own mind and see if you have any better answers than me. Let me ask you, what is the most popular Easter song? I could not think of a single one, right? For Christmas, you can say, Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh, jingle bells, right? And you have your Christian music too, like, oh, Silent Night or whatever. I could not think of one Easter song that does not come from this hymnal right here, right? I don't know if you guys can think of any, right? I, I went to like an Easter parade yesterday with the kids, and they played some song I never heard of. There's a thing called, you know, it's like the Easter parade or something like that, and talked about the Easter bunny and all these things. Never heard it in my life. The answer is, I don't think there is any, right? In the popular culture, there is no Easter song. There's no Easter TV special. Is there something you think about every year? I'm going to sit down and watch this show on Easter Sunday. Or the networks, they always fight to show it every Easter Sunday. I don't think there is, right? It's not like Christmas. Oh, it's time for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Charlie Brown Christmas or whatever it is. Nothing like that. And there's no Easter movie either. I can't think of any Easter movie. Every Easter, we're going to sit down and watch this movie. I don't know, right? But every Christmas, you're going to watch, you know, Home Alone, or you're going to watch, uh, you know, Miracle on 34th Street, or It's a Wonderful Life, or whatever. The only element of Easter that I think that's punctured the popular consciousness is the Easter Bunny, right? The Easter Bunny, right? Which, as we know, has nothing to do with Jesus or God or the resurrection, right? It's a mishmash of all this uh, pagan culture about, you know, fertility and eggs. And we know eggs and rabbits don't have anything to do with each other either, right? But yet, 
when you go into popular culture and look around, you know, Easter, Easter means eggs and bunnies and bonnets and, uh, I don't know, whatever, you know, baskets that they sell at Safeway or whatever. And somewhere mixing all that, Jesus rose from the dead, right? Well, we see that's all Satan's effort here to muddle the issue. And it sure seems to have muddled the issue that this message has gotten lost in all these other things, that it's just a blip. It really is a blip for most people in the world today, that it's not a huge deal that, oh, it's Easter today. It's Resurrection Sunday, the memory of the resurrection. <clears throat> but that should not be the case for believers like you and me, because the resurrection is central to our Christian lives. A resurrection for us is not just a one-day thing, right? The fact that Jesus died, and you heard all this about this last week already, if you are here last week and you heard about the past two weeks, right? Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was resurrected, came back to life three days later. You guys have heard all that before. You don't need me to explain that to you. What happened? You just heard it. That story, that is so significant as our entire faith hangs on that story. That truth. The truth that Jesus conquered death. The truth that Jesus is the Son of God. The truth that Jesus is alive. He's our living Savior today. It's so important. It's so much a part of who we are, what we believe, what we do, that it's impossible to separate it out as if it was just a one-day thing or a special event or whatever, right? In fact, I think it's completely and totally wrong to say, oh, Easter is this thing I do once a year, you know, on uh, April whateverth or March whateverth, right? There are probably thousands, if not millions, of so-called Christians today who showed up to church this morning just because, oh, it's Easter. I feel like I should go to church. I bet there's many, many people across the world today thinking that exact thing. Ah, time to go to church. Easter, that's the one day I go to church. May I go to church on Easter and I go to church on Christmas. That's about it, right? And for those people... If that's what their faith is based on, they have some serious questions. Because, as we have here from the quote from Charles Spurgeon, what did he say? He says, to set apart Easter Sunday for a special memory of the resurrection is a human device, which is there is no spiritual command. But to make every Lord's Day a resurrection Sunday is due to him who rose early on that first day of the week. Folks, Nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt celebrate Easter. There's nothing super special about just one day. What's special is the resurrection. And that's what we celebrate every day. That's what we gather here at church to remember all the time. That's what we speak about, we read about in the Bible all the time. That's what informs our life. That we have a true faith. A faith based on a living Savior. A Savior that conquered death. No wonder Satan tries to obscure that truth from people. That's so much more powerful than we have an Easter egg hunt once a year. No, it's we have a gospel. A true gospel every day that we ought to be sharing every day, reflecting about every day, thinking about every day. 
The world doesn't care about it because the world doesn't care about Jesus. Satan doesn't want to care about it, does care about it because he doesn't want us to care about Jesus. He's happy to confine him to one day a year, right? But that's not the way it ought to be. We see it so clearly throughout the Bible because what does the Bible talk about over and over again? Just look at the New Testament. What is the New Testament all about? New Testament repeating over and over again. In all four Gospels, we hear what? The resurrection story. Four authors, four books, all of them talking about the resurrection. What about the book of Acts? Talking about the early church, the disciples. What do they talk about over and over again? Talk about the resurrection. In chapter 2, chapter 4, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 13. And then I got tired of looking for the references. So trust me, it goes all the way through chapter 28, right? So true. So also true in the epistles. The writers explaining to their audiences the significance, the importance of the resurrection. We live because he lives, right? Writings like this over and over again. That Christ's redemption is through his blood, through his resurrection. So it's repeated over and over and over and over again. How significant is it? The most significant. Why so would it be that on this day of all days, if you read the news this morning, that Satan had his attack against all these uh, churches that got bombed, right? On Easter Sunday, they draw attention away from Christ and the resurrection and all these things, trying to inspire terror in people. But no, no, no. This is his message, his continuing message, the message from way back when in the Bible, continuing all the way through today. And wasn't it fitting, wasn't it fitting that in the history of the church, in the history of the church, the first sermon ever preached, right? The first sermon ever preached, the first sermon ever recorded, written down, the words of Peter himself was what else? The resurrection sermon. So today I come to you to speak to you about this topic, even though you guys have heard all about it the past two weeks already, about Jesus dying on the cross, about Jesus being resurrected three days later, to add in some more words about that because it is so central, because it is so significant. But I don't think there's anything I could say that really adds to it very much. <coughs> I'm no special speaker. I don't know anything special knowledge or whatever greater than people like the people you've already heard. But I know someone who is. And like I said and just pointed out, that person is Peter. Peter in the Bible who spoke about the resurrection at the very first meeting of the church. I'll give you a little background on Peter's first resurrection sermon. This was after Jesus had already been resurrected and ascended back into heaven. And as you might remember from our study of the book of Acts way back when, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit down on the day of Pentecost, during the Feast of Pentecost, and filled his disciples with his glory and they were able to speak in tongues, right? To speak in different languages, to communicate the gospel message to all those in, in attendance that day. And they spoke that gospel message that day, and the Bible records that 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people. That's how powerful this message that we're going to look at in just a second was. That through these words, 3,000 people's hearts were moved that they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
So as I said, there's no word I could say today that's greater than that. So let me read to you right now the words of Peter himself. I'll read it in most of its entirety, starting with verse number 2 of Acts chapter 2. And I'll read to you the words of Peter, Peter's first resurrection sermon. And it reads as follows. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he, was, he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried. His sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing God had sworn an oath to him, that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne." He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into heavens, but saith himself, The Lord saith unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And those are the words of the great apostle Peter. And there's really nothing more I could say to add to that. If you guys learn nothing else and remember nothing else, if you have those words in your heart today, you guys have heard a better message than I could give speaking to you in half an hour and an hour or whatever of rambling on and on and on about the resurrection. But I will add a few things, as always, my own thoughts, my own comments about what Peter said right here, because it is such a wonderful, wonderful message, the perfect Easter message for all of us here. He talks about, first, the reality of the resurrection. That's what he starts off with. 
in verses 22, 22 to 24, right? Because before I can talk about the significance of the resurrection and the lesson of the resurrection, he has to say the truth of the resurrection, right? Because these people might not even know it, right? He has to lay out that the resurrection did, in fact, happen. And how does he do that? He talks about Jesus Christ. Remember the context. This is not long after Jesus had died, not long after Jesus had been ascended into heaven. This is in the time of Jerusalem that Jesus was probably a very well-known figure where it's fresh in everyone's mind, right? So what does he say? He talks about Jesus, the man, first of all, right? Jesus of Nazareth, a man among you. <coughs> he points it out to his audience, his listeners there, to remind them that Jesus was indeed a man. And so much is that true today. Jesus was a man. There's no doubt, no question, right? Those people in his audience that day, they knew that. They could not deny that Jesus existed, right? You can't deny that he was a man. He was alive. He was this guy. We saw him walking down the street. We saw him working. We saw him preaching. He was there. Just one year ago, two years ago, we could point to him. He was a guy. And even today, all historians can look back and say, yes, there was a Jesus. There's no doubt about that. There's not one legitimate historian, student of the past, who would ever say, no, Jesus was a figment of people's imagination. No, he was a real guy. There's no doubt that there's some guy named Jesus lived once upon a time, 2,000 some odd years ago. Everyone knows that and acknowledges that. To say otherwise is just ridiculous. And to say something that is patently not true. It was not true in Peter's day when he gave this message, when he pointed out to people that yes, Peter was a man among you. And it's true today, right? That no legitimate historian would ever say that, now Jesus did not exist. Of course, people would debate whether he's the son of God, right? But no one would say Jesus did not exist. So Jesus was a real man, right? Everyone knew Jesus, right? All you guys in my audience today, right? And also the people in that audience, they knew this. God affirmed Jesus, right? Not only did you know that Jesus was a guy and that he was alive, you guys heard all about his miracles. You guys heard all about the way he lived and the great life he lived, right? There was no doubt back then, right? Those people alive back then, they witnessed the miracles or they heard through their friends that witnessed the miracles or a friend of a friend. One would imagine there'd be big news back then, right? Just like today, we live in like the tabloid culture or whatever. You can imagine, oh, Jesus turned water into wine. Oh, Jesus uh, walked on water. Jesus calmed the storm. That would be like all over the social media if we had it today, right? And surely back then, it was all over the public consciousness of the city of Jerusalem. So you guys know he was alive. You guys know you've heard the stories of how he acted and the things he did. And those things only could happen through the grace of God. Could it? Right? Who else could raise the dead? Only God. Who else could cure the blind? Only God. Who else could heal the sick? Only God. So you guys know him. You guys know him. You know his works. And then he says what? You know his death. 
you know his death was real. Right? To those people back then, again, it probably was big news. Jesus died. Right? It couldn't have been fake. You know, some people today try to make excuses. Like, oh, maybe he didn't die. Maybe Jesus had, was like in a coma. Right? Or maybe, you know, Jesus uh, you know, had someone uh, fake his death or whatever. Something like that. You know, that's the stuff that 21st century people make up based on what we know. Folks, back then, he was subject to punishment by the Roman government. It would be like, as preposterous as saying today, that someone on death row faked their death, right? That they escaped the electric chair or the gas chamber or the lethal injection or something like that, right? When the government comes to kill someone, they don't mess around, right? And this is the Roman government. If you remember the Roman government, they do stuff like send their prisoners to, like, you know, put them into arena of lions and have the lions rip them up until they die. They don't mess around. So they put Jesus to death. They crucified him in a brutal way, in a public way. So there's no doubt that Jesus died. And the people all around them, they knew. Because how could you not know? He's this big figure. It's a celebrity. That would be as ridiculous as people today denying stuff about, you know, people that we know that died, you know, or whatever, that, that we would say, Oh, no, it didn't happen. Of course it happened. How can we deny the evidence and the facts that so many people, so many people said and agreed and that it happened, right? We wouldn't say that, oh, you know, like Michael Jackson isn't dead or whatever, right? Or whoever else, so whatever famous celebrity died and it's all over the news or whatever. Say, oh, that guy didn't die. Jesus was a celebrity back then. We read in the Bible that thousands of people followed him wherever he went, right? There's no way that he could say, oh, when he went on that cross, when he bore that cross, when he was hung on that cross, that the people of his day could deny that he died. No way. He died. So Peter points it out. Every one of you here knows that he died. And just as you know that he died, he was raised as well. Peter was a witness. The 12 were a witness. We heard last week from Melvin, right? Over 500 were a witness. It happened. There were eyes on him. It's not a fake story, not a false story. There's no denying the resurrection. People tried to deny it back then, right? They tried to think of conspiracies and things of how to figure it out. And even today, people try to make up things. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. No one has ever disproven the resurrection. Have you heard this? Have you heard of this? Probably would have if there was a way to do it, right? There's so many people who hate Jesus, who hate the Bible, who hate the gospel. Surely one of them over all these years would have figured out, this is how the proof is. This is the proof, the absolute proof that Jesus did not raise from the dead. <coughs> not a one. I've never heard anybody come with any proof. On the flip side, we have all the testimony written in the Gospels, in the Epistles, in even contemporary historical documents talking about Jesus being risen from the dead. But no one say that Jesus dying was a hoax. Because it wasn't a hoax. Because if it was a hoax, it'd be the dumbest hoax ever, right? Why would people do hoaxes, right? You imagine you're the disciples, <coughs> and you want to do a hoax. And say, yeah, Jesus is alive, right? <clears throat> He's not dead. He came back to life. Usually hoaxes 
There's a reason for it, right? People do hoaxes today all the time and scams. <coughs> they do hoaxes and scams to scam you out of money, right? Or to get power or to get influence or something. That's why they're lying to you. That's why they tell you lies. <coughs> what benefit did Peter get from telling all these lies? And what benefit did all these disciples get from telling lies if this was a lie about Jesus? Their great reward was not money or power or honor. All these guys got was persecution and death. That's a dumb hoax if it was a hoax, wasn't it? That I'm going to trick everyone to believe in Jesus and my reward is I die. <coughs> Makes no sense. The resurrection Peter showed was real. <coughs> it was from a real person, real events, real miracles, real death, and real second life. So the results of the resurrection, Peter then talks about, tells us how death was conquered. He says, Jesus loosed the pains of death. We don't have to fear death anymore because of Jesus. How can we trust in that? We can trust in that because Jesus validated God's word. He spends all this time in this sermon talking about David. Why? This audience knew David. They knew all the things that David said. What what the prophecies were of back when. Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. The Bible, as you heard Melvin talk about, even as recently as last week, fulfilled all these prophecies concerning Jesus Christ. And when you have that, how can you say no, audience? How can you say no to something that was predicted hundreds and hundreds of years ago, that was manifested in one man, Jesus Christ, that proved himself through the resurrection? You cannot. And through Jesus Christ, <coughs> through the resurrection, through Jesus Christ, we have Jesus exalted. Right? That's his message. That's Jesus who triumphs. Right? That Jesus is on the throne. It's him. Right? He's the guy that's on the right, that, that's up there. Right? Raised up. That we're all witnesses of. That's what Peter says in his message. Right? He's, he's on the throne now. Definitely not Satan. And it's through this message, through this message, the importance of the resurrection that everything flows from. And this goes back to what we said at the start, right? That through Jesus' resurrection, we have our commission as Christians, right? We could not do our work, right? We could not be anything, right, without his resurrection because his resurrection makes it all possible, right? We could not say scripture is true without the proof of the resurrection. We have it, so now we can say, yes, this book, the Bible, it's true. We could not witness other people and say you can have everlasting life without this resurrection because he proved it. He conquered death. We could not preach to others about Jesus Christ and all this stuff without the resurrection because without it, how do we know he's God? Because we have the resurrection, we have it all. It's the linchpin. It's what prompts Peter to speak this powerful message right here the message of the resurrection, the message of salvation, the message that we repeat even today. Folks, Melvin said it last week, if we didn't have the resurrection, the question would be, why are we here? The answer would be, we'd have no reason to be here. We'd have no faith. We'd have no truth. But because we have the resurrection, we have the truth. We have a faith. We have a mission. And how did Peter fulfill that mission? Very simply. They asked him, They were pricked in his heart, his audience. What do we do, Peter? 
verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent from your sins by simply saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. You get Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, the forgiveness of your sins, the gift of everlasting life, the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's the simple message of the resurrection. Believe in Jesus. Repent, be saved, be baptized, and you, you have Jesus Christ in your heart. And with that message, 3,000 people got saved that day. To sum it up, this quote here, a little bit of a long quote, and says, what the, at the end I put on the handout, the truth of the resurrection gives life to every other area of gospel truth, right? Without the resurrection, everything else is meaningless. But because we have the resurrection, everything is meaningful. The resurrection is the pivot on which all of Christianity turns, and without which none of the other truths would matter much, would, would much matter. Without the resurrection, Christianity would be much more wishful thinking, taking its place along all other human philosophy and religious speculation. Folks, we know this is not just another religion. We know, we know this is not just a bunch of words. We know this is the truth. We know this is our salvation. We know this is our guide, our faith, because Jesus lives today. Let's end with a word of prayer. And for some of you guys who haven't accepted Jesus Christ and the truth of Jesus Christ and the truth of his resurrection, as we pray, let me give you all a chance to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior today. To say to him, yes, God, I believe in you. I believe in your resurrection. I believe you died for our sins. If you want to accept Jesus Christ right now, please repeat this prayer silently from your heart. Dear God, please look in my heart. I know I've sinned. I know I've done wrong. God, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for all those things I did wrong. But I want to trust Jesus Christ right now. That same Jesus Christ that died, was buried, and was resurrected three days later. I want to trust that man. I'm going to trust you, God. I want to trust Jesus to save me from all of my sins. God, look in my heart one more time. I really want Jesus to save me from all of my sins. And I thank you for your wondrous gift of salvation, Lord. And also, I'll pray this, too, for all of us here, Lord and Father. We thank you for this Sunday here that we're able to honor and glorify you. May every Sunday be one where we remember the resurrection, where we preach your gospel, where we have that in our hearts, guiding our hearts, guiding our lives, that you are our God, you are our Savior. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.